On the 50th day, when the day of Pentecost came. Interesting that this is 50 days after Passover. That was the day that Jesus was crucified. So if you mark um, Passover and start your calendar 50 days later. If you recall, it was on the 40th day that Jesus ascended into heaven. So everything worked on God's clock. God kept going, and so he had us marked out. And so he ascended up, and if you recall, we discussed last week that he said he ordered them to return to Jerusalem and to wait, and they had no idea what they were waiting for. So about 10 days later, when Pentecost came, that was a day of feasting when everybody would come gathered together. On the 50 days, they came after Passover then. Would you open your Bibles with me to Acts chapter 2? Now, this morning, this morning, um, you need to put on your thinking cap today because it's important for you to follow this because it may go in a little direction you have not gone before. And I'd like for you, if you have your Bible with you, or I can borrow one in front of you, it's sitting in the pew, take one and look at it and follow me today. This is in Acts chapter 2. We're going to go through part of it today and to look at this important passage that came. So 10 days after, here was the baptism, the birth of the church, as it were, that happened on the day of Pentecost that Jesus had promised him that he would send us a comforter, that he would pour out his spirit upon us. So here we go. Acts chapter 2, beginning with verse 1. And when the day of Pentecost came... They were all together in one place. Where were they? Where were they all together in one place? Well, they were in Jerusalem, and they were in the upper room. We gather from that because that's the place that they had the Last Supper. We believe this was the home of John Mark, who wrote the book of Mark. We believe this is his parents' home, and that they lived, and they had a room, large room, as many of them did, up above their residence. It was an open space up above, so... Here they were, they were upstairs in this place, in the upper room. And verse 2, and suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. And they saw what seemed to be like tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. And all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other languages. As no one word of Czechoslovakian. She says, well, my mother doesn't know a word of English. And from that moment on, the daughter had to be present to translate. Is that what happened in Acts 2? I would suggest to you that what happened was the gift of hearing, not the gift of tongues. Back to Acts 2. These people are not drunk, Peter said, as you supposed. It's only nine in the morning. No, this is what is happening. It's spoken of by the prophet Joel. And if you've been in our Revelation class of Daniel, you already know about the prophet Joel, prophet 2 and 3. And he goes on to share this with them. And he said, in the last days... God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. I want you to please understand that Peter thought he was in the last days. We may have a different perspective, don't you think? We may have a different, that 
we may not be in the last days. I mean, Peter may not. We are. We know we are, biblically. So he said, we, in the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Okay? He goes on, your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days, and they will prophesy. I will show wonders in the heavens above and the signs in the earth below, blood and fire and billows of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the great and glorious day of the Lord. And everyone, he said, and everyone who calls on the name of the Lord, will be saved, according to Joel 2. I can hear some of you say, well, doesn't Paul talk about unknown tongues? That they're unknown tongues, Paul talks about. If you have your King James Bible, you can look and you can see, sure enough, in the King James Version, but it has to be the King James Version, you will see that there is a word there before tongues, for he that speaketh in an unknown tongue speaketh not unto men, but unto God. And he, uh, for no man understands him, howbeit the spirit of him speaketh mysteries. Back up just a bit. So as we back up, we will see. Uh, can I get us to back up? Uh, it didn't back up. Could you take me back one slide, please? Oh, thank you so much. So if you notice this word, do you see how it's italicized here? You see how it's put in italics? Why is that? That's because it doesn't appear in the manuscript. It was added. That's why in the NIV, and you read, it doesn't say unknown tongue. It just says in a tongue. Because somewhere, someone added that. Added the word unknown to that. Same as we see in the next verse where they added the word him. For a man understands, howbeit in the spirit he speaks, speaketh mysteries. Him was added. That's what italics means in those, in those King James versions. So Paul, in his book, and we will not take time to go through 1 Corinthians 14 with you, but it is clear from his thing that he's offering guidance on the appropriate use of tongues as you read that. And look at that. Okay, back to Acts chapter 2. Going back to that. And so at the end of that, he makes this wonderful speech. He talks about Christ. He goes to the very end. And then he says, when the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and to the other apostles, brothers, what shall we do? And Peter responded, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children and all who are far off, for all who have from the Lord, God will call and going. So what should we gather from all of this? Now I come to my point. What should we gather from this passage? There's a lot, a lot there, but this is what I'd like you to take home. The Spirit used known languages here. I have to be careful with that. 
Second, they spoke of the wonders of God. Peter was the one who presented the gospel to them. In the upper room, they were praising God. Three, everyone heard and understood Peter's speech. Whether it was like what happened to Nora Jenkins, or whether it's that he spoke in a common language that they all understood, Acts 2 does not make clear. Four, 3,000 people accepted Jesus. 3,000 accepted Jesus on that day. They saw that phenomenon. So, so, so what, Pastor? So, don't you love the picture of these guys? Here it is. God's ways are his ways. God's ways are his ways. When God wanted to get Israel across the Red Sea, no one in Israel imagined what God was going to do. They were looking for life rafts. They were looking for yachts. They were looking for anything. They were looking for a bridge, anything, teaching people to swim. I don't know. They never expected what God was going to do. They never saw that God is not limited. And therefore, he has a thousand ways to solve their issue, their problem, our problem, of what we have never thought. A thousand ways. So if God wanted to communicate his gospel to someone, like he did with Nora Jenkins and this wonderful Czechoslovakian woman, if he wanted to communicate that, he didn't need to play on the rules that we put into Acts 2. He could do it any way he wished. He doesn't need to operate on my theology. <laughs> See? He can operate as he chooses and as he wishes. And that's what happened at Pentecost. God did what he chose to do. And he moved powerfully, and 3,000 were baptized. So, should we let God have his way here? As a pastor, I as a pastor, I often, what can I do? I may make this happen, do this, do that. I just basically need God have your way here. You have your way. Show me what you're doing so I can assist. I believe God has called us to build this building. It's an example. But there are other things that we need to do. Because we're calling people to get acquainted with the Lord Jesus as their Savior. We want to help the needs around us. There are lots of needs. Lots of needs. We want to help them. We don't want to experience Irma like that again, do we? We want to help. 
We helped. We want to do more. But I would ask you today, let's let God be God here. Dear Father, I thank you for the story of Acts 2. It is a powerful, powerful story. You're outpouring of your spirit. But you outpour your spirit in many different ways all over the earth. And and as we read Joel 2, we see that you pour out your spirit on all of us at the end of time. So, Lord, I would expect from that, from that passage of the old ancient Joel, as we look at the end of times, that we would see that your spirit is poured out on the people who are sitting here. And we will see your hand do great things through them. Perhaps today you are being called by the Spirit into some ministry or you're being highlighted or something that's happening around you and the Spirit of God wishes to use you. Let's let God be God and let him work through you for his glory and for the help and salvation of others. We surrender that to you today, Lord. This is your church, not ours. It's your church family. Oh, we live in this building. We call it a church, but it's the people that are the church. And Lord, we ask your spirit to move through us for your glory, for the salvation of others, that the harvest here will be huge. In Jesus' name, amen.